Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome, my listener friends. Today, we're going to be talking about body image in pregnancy. One of the most common anxieties that I hear about from my patients, and in general, pregnancy and postpartum can definitely be a time of heightened anxiety. But the one of the most common ones that I hear about is, how is the body going to change? How is my body going to change? I hear about this from patients who are planning a pregnancy and those who are already pregnant and in the early stages. This impacts so many women, and that's not really surprising. The way that we think about our bodies in today's society can be fraught with so many complications. Let's start, actually, with the definition of body image. It's a psychological construct with four components, according to the National Eating Disorders Collaboration. There's the perceptual body image, so how we see our bodies, the affective body image, how we feel about our bodies, the cognitive body image, what we think about our bodies, and behavioral, what you do and how you act. Positive body image is associated with self-acceptance. That doesn't mean that you may not have some things that you want to work on. It's not the same as self-love. It's acceptance of your body for where it is, and from that place, potentially you might make some changes. Negative body image and lack of satisfaction is associated with many different kinds of thoughts and behaviors that can really impact your function and your psyche and your emotional state. It's associated with negative self-talk, the way that you talk to yourself about your body, judgment and comparisons, and this is huge, and we're going to talk quite a bit more during this podcast about the role of social media and how that fuels this kind of judgment and comparisons. Basing self-worth on appearance, disordered eating or exercise behaviors, and even avoidance. A really common one, for example, is you might have been invited to an event, maybe going to the beach, anything like that, and you're avoiding it. You decide you don't want to go because of the way that you think you look. There's a lot of stigma associated with fatness, so many negative connotations. And I've had several patients who struggle with the early part of pregnancy when they quote-unquote worry that someone will think that they're gaining weight because they're fat, which is considered socially unacceptable, versus because they're pregnant, which is considered socially acceptable. And this happens again postpartum, when again, the socially accepted reason for not having the quote-unquote ideal body has been, well, essentially delivered. You, you delivered your baby, and now, so to speak, what's your excuse, right? So there's a lot of that kind of stigma going on, and it significantly impacts the sense of self and one's body image. Another important aspect is, quote-unquote, appropriate weight gain. You'll notice I use a lot of quotations in this particular podcast. That's to emphasize how I disagree with the use of a lot of these kinds of words, acceptable, unacceptable, a lot of this kind of black and white type of terminology that society uses quite a bit in the context of women's bodies. 
So going back to this idea of, quote unquote, appropriate weight gain, I've had many women talk to me about their anxiety that they aren't gaining the right amount of weight, whether it might be too little in the first trimester because of nausea or too much later in the pregnancy. And then there's shape. There's this interesting aspiration for many women to have this very rare but coveted D-shaped, like the letter D, where it's just a bump. And you only know that the woman is pregnant from the side or the front, but not the back, where it really is just this little baby bump and nothing else changes, which is a very interesting thing to think about when you think about the idea of how a pregnant body changes during a pregnancy and everything that it needs to do, the amount of increased blood volume, how the heart pumps, how the kidneys function. There's so many physiological changes that take place. And so it's interesting to think that it really would be this magical D-shape rather than changes in the, the entire rest of the body that needs to happen in order to support this additional life force. I've had patients who lament, for example, that they look more like a B rather than a D, as if society has also created this idea that there's the perfect letter, there's the perfect shape for a pregnant patient. In addition to appearance, there's other psychological factors. One thing that comes up quite a bit is this idea of control. Control of one's body. Who does it belong to? And there's often this kind of push-pull between you, the pregnant patient, or that little usurper inside of you who is growing because of what you're providing, because of what is able to take from your body. And so who does your body belong to during pregnancy? For a lot of my patients, it's challenging to navigate that psychological tug of war that happens and feeling like you don't necessarily have control of your body the way that you used to. You're getting up to use the bathroom a lot more often. It's impacting your ability to do some of the physical activities that you used to enjoy. It's not the same experience as before you were pregnant. And that can feel like you're losing control, which is very challenging for a lot of women to transition through. The other psychological factor that sometimes comes up is a sense of claustrophobia, especially later in pregnancy. For women who have a tendency to feel trapped, which is the entire essence of claustrophobia is feeling trapped like you can't get out, whether it's in an elevator or in a train car or an airplane or wherever it might be, feeling a sense of claustrophobia in one's own body, feeling like you can't get out and that there's something pushing on various organs and you can't catch your breath. And the sense of claustrophobia can really be exacerbated, especially if it's something that you're prone to, that you have a tendency to feel anxious about even outside of pregnancy. What I want to dive into next is the role of social media in all of this. There's been some interesting studies, and I don't think the results are going to be particularly surprising, but I think it's helpful to know that the things that we predict, that we hypothesize about the negative role of social media has in fact actually been studied. And so there's been experimental studies. There was an interesting one published just this last year in the Journal of Body Image. And yes, there's an entire journal devoted to this topic. This study looked at 261 women who were separated into groups and shown positive body image social media content 
and then those who viewed idealized images. And overall, and these were pregnant patients, overall findings were, as you would expect, that the women who viewed the idealized social media images of pregnant and postpartum women actually reported negative effects on their body image and mood and poorer body image across a whole bunch of different measures compared to the women who viewed positive body images. That was an experimental type of study where they separated women into groups. There was also various cross-sectional studies where they give a cohort, a group of women questionnaires. And so there was one study that gave a questionnaire to women about body image and Facebook use. And what they found is that mothers with a Facebook account had higher body image concerns than those without a Facebook account. And I think it's interesting to think about because so many of us these days have a Facebook account and various other social media accounts. And so what they found is that those with an account, the increased Facebook use was associated with increased body image dissatisfaction particularly in terms of postpartum concerns for how their body was going to look. And more than 56% reported that they frequently compared their pregnant body to other pregnant women on the site. Imagine you're scrolling and it might seem a little bit innocuous and you see these images, but your brain is constantly comparing and judging and making these kinds of split-second decisions and judgments and justifications and opinions comparing your body to those of other pregnant women. They also found that Facebook access was frequent. With 85% of the participants in the study, they checked at least once per day and that the average participant spent over an hour every day on the site. That might actually not come as a surprise to you depending on your own personal use of social media accounts like Facebook. There's a number of impacts of social media on our body image, particularly during pregnancy and postpartum, and a lot of social media influences as well. Later on in this podcast, when I'm talking about ways to target body image and improve one's own body image and self-concept, we're definitely going to talk about minimizing social media use. Why are we talking about this in general? Well, there's a number of negative consequences of having a body image that is dissatisfactory. The first is it could lead to restriction of nutrients during pregnancy or postpartum during breastfeeding because you're trying to either count calories or lose weight or attain this kind of idealized, quote unquote, body image and shape. And that could lead to restriction of nutrients, which is going to have an impact on the health of a pregnancy or the developing baby if you're breastfeeding. It could also lead to overexercising. And again, there's an impact there on your pregnancy, on your health, and on you postpartum as well from a recuperation and recovery perspective. It's also associated with anxiety, depression, negative self talk, and guilt. These psychological symptoms impact the healthy development of a pregnancy. I mean, there's so many different times we've talked about during this podcast series on the role of anxiety or depression on the development of a healthy pregnancy and postpartum. When you have a negative body image and it's leading to symptoms of anxiety and depression, that in turn is impacting the health and quality of a pregnancy and postpartum period. It could 
also be that a core relationship with one's body at a time that communication is so important is really going to impact in a negative way. If you don't have a good relationship with your body, it's going to be much harder to understand when your body is telling you something that needs attention during pregnancy, during labor and delivery, or postpartum. If you don't have that kind of healthy communication and healthy acceptance, it's going to be really hard for you to listen to your body when it's trying to tell you something. Having talked about all of the different impacts on body image and what body image is, as well as the negative consequences of a dissatisfactory body image, let's talk about the practical ways to cultivate a healthier body image. The first thing is that it's important to understand that body image is not static. It's dynamic. I mean, that's the whole reason that we're talking about this is so that you can make a change. Think about it with the idea of you know, your body image is not a photograph. Your body is not a photograph, static in time. It's important to think about not just the appearance and the shape, but it can be helpful to also think about function. Can you appreciate what your body is doing? I mean, it's growing an entire human being. And when you begin to shift your thinking from form to function, that can impact and create a healthier body image. Number three is to gather social support. And we can understand how this makes sense, both directly, for example, if you have a supportive partner that provides positive feedback during the pregnancy, and indirectly, because social support itself is associated with improved mental well-being. And if you're not struggling with anxiety and depression, there's a better chance of a positive body image. So gathering healthy social support not the social media kind of support. We'll get to that next. The next tip is to avoid social media. And I shared several social media articles for that reason. So you can understand that this has been scientifically shown increased social media use is associated with a dissatisfactory body image. Next, physical activity and exercise. These can definitely help. This allows you to move your body and appreciate what it can do. Going back to tip number two, where you're transitioning from thinking about form to thinking about function. Physical activity also helps you feel physically more comfortable in your body, having less discomfort during labor, for example, and having an easier and better recovery period postpartum. Next is working on your mental health. So if you have active symptoms of anxiety or depression or another perinatal mood, anxiety, or other condition, then reaching out and getting the help that you need because that is going to impact your body image and sense of self. The next tip I have is to educate yourself. Know what is happening in your body. It helps you appreciate what it's doing. What's the reason for the additional blood flow? Why might you need to store a little bit more fat? Figuring out the physiology of what's happening in your body can help you appreciate what's going on inside. And again, going back to that second most important tip, the transition from form to function. And then finally, if you're in the pregnancy period, really working on cultivating a healthy and accepting body image even prior to pregnancy so you can go into it with a leg up. I've had a couple of patients do this exercise where if you don't 
already have a great relationship with your body to really begin to address it the way that you would any other relationship in your life. If, for example, you have a friend or a family member and maybe you guys have had a falling out, how would you go about improving that relationship? How would you talk to that person? Maybe you even want to give your body a name almost separate from yourself where you can begin to cultivate that relationship. How would you talk to a person that you want to become closer to, that you want to become friends with, that you want to rely upon, and that's going to rely upon you and to have a healthy communication back and forth where there's a sense of acceptance and not a sense of judgment? I imagine with close friends and family members that you care about, you're not judging them all the time. You're not comparing them to others. And so beginning to practice that with your body and to develop that and cultivate that kind of healthy body image even before you enter into a pregnancy. Now, if you are postpartum and you are interested in a more formal kind of program that teaches about how to cultivate a healthy body image postpartum and the role of things like physical activity, sleep, all of those kinds of important aspects, I would encourage you to take a look at the show notes links and take a look at the Radiance program. This is a webinar-based program last eight weeks that I developed a couple of years ago specifically targeting body image and fitness in the postpartum period. So today we've really talked about the definition of body image. We've talked about the role of stigma, society, and social media, the negative consequences of having a dissatisfactory body image, and some really important tips for cultivating a healthier one. So really think about this idea of transitioning from the static to the dynamic, from form to function. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well-being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.